Welcome back, Fit Fam, to another episode of Let's Run Fit with Be Lit, your go-to podcast for all things fitness, running, and wellness. I'm your host, Be Lit, and today we have a special episode in store for you. We're going to be diving into the hard lessons that I had to learn from running in the fitness world the hard way. And more importantly, we're going to talk about how to overcome them so that way, first off, you don't have to make these mistakes, and second, if you do, you know how to get out of it. So lace up your shoes and let's get ready to be inspired and motivated to conquer the world and not have to learn the hard way. As all of my listeners know, I am not scared to let you guys know the things that I did wrong when I first started running and working out and getting fit. And I did a lot wrong because there's so much misinformation out there on the internet that I started just piecing together things, trying to hope for the best and see if that was going to be the magical solution. So I'm going to go through this list of just simple hard lessons so you know how to get away from these. And the first hard lesson that I had to learn when it came to running in particular is that you've got to have patience. You cannot go out so fast and hard on every single run. It's so tempting because you think if I just run my very hardest for this one mile and I do this one mile every single day, the best that I can be, the best that I can do, that eventually it's just going to keep getting easier and easier and easier. And on paper, That makes sense. It makes sense that you should go do the hard thing every day to the best of your ability because it's kind of the advice you would get on everything else in life. Do the thing to the best of your ability and you're going to get better at it and it's going to get easier. But in running, it doesn't work that way because it's too hard on your body. And I know that the excitement and the adrenaline, it can push you to want to spring out the door and just go crazy and be like, yes, look at what I can do. But our bodies need time to adapt. They need time to recover. So patience is definitely going to be the key. And it's just one of those very essential parts of your running journey that you just have to understand. It takes time. Building endurance and strength, it requires a gradual structured approach, meaning you can't go all out on every run because as exhilarating as it's going to feel for the first like at most seven days, it's very, very quickly going to lead to burnout and injury and just disappointment. What's going to happen when you just keep slowing down more and more each run because your body is tired and in desperate need of some recovery? It's going to start to hit your ego a little bit, and it shouldn't because your body is just begging you for some rest. So instead, focus on starting slow. Build that solid foundation. Begin with a mix of running and walking. There is nothing wrong with walking. We have even had an episode. Go back to episode 17 if you want to learn exactly how to get that run-walk method into your actual routine. It'll help you because you can gradually increase your running intervals while allowing for ample recovery time during the run and after the run. You have to be patient with yourself and embrace the journey of progress. Remember, running is a lifelong pursuit and there's no need to rush to reach the finish line. There's just not. You're running against yourself. You're racing yourself. So give yourself grace and time so you can get to that finish line and be able to go back to the start line another day. By practicing patience, you give your body the opportunity to adapt. It's going to strengthen itself. You've got to put stress on your muscles and joints and cardiovascular system, but you cannot run so hard that they cannot also recover. 
you know you can't have those overuse injuries and fatigue and mental exhaustion and continue to run. It just doesn't work. It's the same way you wouldn't go to the gym and lift really, really, really heavy on biceps and the next day do the same exact thing thinking it's going to be easier. Because as we know, your muscles get tired, they get sore, they need time to rest and recover from that hard work. And running is the same thing. Running does the exact same thing to your body. You're going to get those micro terrors and those changes and you've got to give your body time. You also need to listen to your body's signals. If you're ever feeling really fatigued, experiencing pain, or noticing just an overall decline in performance, it's a sign that you need to slow down, give yourself time to recover, incorporate those rest days into your training schedule because they are just as important as the training itself. I know it feels like if you're sitting on the couch, you're doing nothing for your goals, but that rest is allowing that muscle repair and your energy stores to replenish and just your mental focus to be recharged so you are ready mentally to get back out there. If you never take a break, it's going to take a toll on your mental. So just remember, running's not linear. Some days you're going to feel fantastic and you're going to surprise yourself with your speed and endurance. It's going to be amazing. There are also going to be days where you just feel sluggish and unmotivated and you're going to encounter setbacks. So embrace that ebb and flow, have faith in the progress and have patience because as your body adapts to the demands of running, you'll be able to increase your mileage, push the pace and achieve new milestones. But that takes the striking of balance between challenging yourself and adequate recovery. So just have patience with every single stride. My next lesson that we're going to talk about is the importance of cross training. When I first started running, I thought I had to run. And that was it. Nothing else. It just made sense. If I want to be a better runner, you run. And that is true. But you have to be able to incorporate cross-training if you want to take your fitness to the next level and prevent injuries. Incorporating these various forms of exercise into our routine will not only improve our overall fitness, but it will also enhance our running performance and make us more well-rounded athletes. The primary benefit of cross-training is the reduction of injury. It helps with the high impact running that running is. It's just a very high impact activity and it puts a lot of repetitive stress on your muscles, joints, and bones. So when you go into those other forms of activity, you strengthen different muscle groups, which improves your range of motion and corrects muscular imbalances. You could be running with a weird gait simply because one side of your body is not as strong as the other and strength training and cross training will help with that. You also want different types of cross training in your routine, not just strength training. Strength training is excellent because it'll strengthen your core and your legs and your upper body. You'll have better support and stability, and it can really help you, you know, strengthen those muscles to propel you forward. But you also want to explore activities like yoga or Pilates. These are going to help with your flexibility and balance and body awareness. And those are all extremely crucial for injury prevention and having efficient running mechanics. Flexibility also gives you that greater range of motion while reducing the risk of muscle strains and pulls. And if you've ever pulled a muscle, you know you don't want to do it again. It is not fun. You can also go into more low impact exercises like swimming. Gives you that full body workout and gives you a little bit of resistance training with the water as well as a good cardio without putting all that pressure on your joints from pounding that impact of running. It'll give you all of this wonderful things. It enhances your lung capacity as well. 
and it makes you more focused on breathing, swimming is just a great option. Cycling is also a great cross-training option for low impact because not only does it provide that cardiovascular workout, but it also will help build strength and leg muscles and endurance. And again, low impact on recovery days gives your joints a break while still getting that quality exercise. All of this cross-training, you're going to find it has the mental benefits. It's going to give you a variety of activities that helps alleviate boredom, prevents exercise plateaus, and just keeps your motivation high. Mixing up your workouts is going to challenge you in different ways to keep your mind engaged, your overall fitness exciting. It's going to make you enjoy your runs more because you're getting to mix it up and you're not going to get bored. And it's just going to complement your running schedule and it's going to help you propel forward. So consider your goals, your time availability, your personal preferences, and aim for two to three cross training sessions a week. It's going to help you get all of those different targeted muscle groups and energy systems. And it's not going to replace your running entirely. Do not think that you can just go in a pool and swim every day and then magically come out a marathoner. You do have to still run. But running doesn't have to be the only thing you do. And other things are going to be a valuable support for you on your overall performance. So make sure you get that cross training in and be ready to go on your way. And if you don't know what to do, call any type of a personal trainer and they can set up a very, very specific strength workout plan or cross training plan for you. That'll complement your running. Remember running coaches, we are not physical therapists or physical trainers or anything that can really give you strength training workouts because we're just, we don't have that training. We don't have that knowledge. It's illegal for one thing, but Go find someone who does. There are lots of people online that you can just message and say, hey, I'm a runner. Can you help me build a plan? And boom, you're ready to go. My next one is going to be embracing rest and recovery. I know I covered this a lot in part one of having patience, but remember, no pain, no gain mentality is bad. Pushing yourself to the limit day in and day out is bad. So you got to actually embrace the rest and recovery. And I wanted this to be a completely separate lesson, not just because obviously it's not about having patience. It is so crucial for your body to repair and recharge to come back stronger. And people overlook rest days and recovery days. And even if they do take one, they go off into the world And they take that as the day to go do crazy amounts of things. They'll be like, oh, it's a rest day. So I'm going to speed clean my entire house. It's a rest day. So I'm going to go to the pool and swim laps. Like that's not a rest day. That's a cross training day. Or they'll be like, oh, this is going to be our rest day. So we're just going to go walk 10 miles in a theme park with my family. That is a fantastic thing to do. Go spend time with your family. But that's not a rest day. You're walking like 10 miles in those theme parks. Theme parks are a lot of walking, okay? You don't realize how out of shape you are until you try to walk in a theme park all day. Even if you can run a marathon, theme park is a whole new thing. So you've got to make sure that your rest and recovery days are actually rest and recovery days. That's not saying you have to sit on your couch and get a thousand steps for the whole day. What it's saying is that you need to make sure that you're giving your body time to repair and recharge. You're not overtraining. You're not burning yourself out increasing your risk of injury, pushing through fatigue, pain, mental exhaustion, or whatever it is, you need to actually give your body physical rest, prioritize sleep. Prioritizing sleep is not just on rest days, but every day. 
Runners need sleep. If you're only sleeping four to five hours, you're not going to be at your highest performance potential. You need to sleep seven to nine hours is generally kind of the recommended amount. You need to have that active recovery in terms of something that's going to keep your blood pumping. Meaning you don't want to sit on the couch and only walk a thousand steps. You want to be getting some gentle stretching, some gentle yoga, some walking around, low intensity activities that are going to loosen your tight muscles, enhance your mobility, flush out all the metabolic waste products that have built up, help reduce your inflammation, and just give you overall healing that just sitting on the couch by itself does not do. Some good recovery practices could be foam rolling, self-massage, using recovery tools. All of those can be a valuable way of easing muscle tension and adding to the repair process. They're not the magic fix. They're not going to just magically make you better overnight if you're sore, but they can help improve flexibility and reduce muscle soreness and generally enhance your circulation. Your nutrition is a big part of your recovery as well. You need to have a well-balanced diet that's adequate in protein to support your muscles and repair growth, carbs to replenish your stores, nutrients like vitamins and minerals and antioxidants to help with the healing process and overall. Talk to a dietitian or a nutritionist. Find out what your body needs that can help you. And don't forget just General well-being means you need to engage in activities to help you relax and unwind and reduce stress. This could be mindfulness, meditation, your favorite hobby, whatever activity brings you joy that can help you maintain your mental health and physical recovery. All of those are going to be great. Rest and recovery is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of laziness. It's an essential component to your effective training program to give your body the time it needs to heal recharge, train more consistently, and improve performance and burnout. Our next lesson, lesson number four, the power of consistency. When it comes to achieving your fitness and running goals, the one factor that reigns supreme is consistency. Consistency is that secret sauce that transforms our aspirations into a reality. It's not about all out once in a while. It's about showing up consistently day after day and putting in the work. Consistency will build your momentum, allow you to make incremental progress over time. It establishes a routine. It trains your body and your mind to adapt. It creates that strong foundation for long-term success. And whether you're just starting your fitness journey or you're a seasoned runner, consistency is that key to unlocking your full potential. This regular training schedule is so crucial that you really need to set aside a dedicated time for your workouts and make them non-negotiable appointments with yourself just like you would with your boss or whoever else around your life is going to be that person that if they make an appointment with you, they have a dinner schedule that you would not cancel. Treat your training sessions as important of a commitment as anything else, any other appointment or responsibility in your life. By prioritizing your fitness, you create a habit that's going to become second nature. Consistency is not about being perfect and never missing a workout because it's going to happen. Life happens. And there are going to be times where you're going to face obstacles or unexpected circumstances that do disrupt your routine. It's going to happen. So when we say treat it like any other appointment or responsibility, it means if your child is violently ill, take the day off and take care of them. If something happens to a family member and they pass away and you have to go out of town, go out of town and take care of things. Just like you would if you had to go to work. You would be like, okay, so this is something that's happening. I've got to take care of it. That's fine. You have to be flexible and adaptable. But 
meh, I don't feel like it. That does not count as a reason you would cancel a meeting with your boss. Ugh, it's hot outside. Like that does not count. You have to make sure that you are showing up for yourself. You make adjustments when necessary and get back on track as soon as possible. Embrace the mindset of progress, not perfection. Stay consistent and find ways to make your workouts enjoyable, sustainable. Choose activities that you enjoy. If you don't like running outdoors, run indoors. If you don't like running on a treadmill, run outdoors. Try different fitness classes. Explore new things. Trails around town. Run on the beach one day if you do you're probably gonna be sore the next day at least I was you know find like a running trail find a running partner a running group go to like I said group fitness try something crazy nothing says it has to be the okay everybody we're gonna go into a squat hold one two three like it could be something fun try like one of those dance fitness classes like Zumba do something like super crazy like the pole fitness that is crazy hard I have a friend who does that and she said it's the hardest thing she's ever done like there's so many things out there that you can do that will give you that fun outlook and make it where you look forward to your workouts and it makes it easier to stay consistent and motivated but you have to hold yourself accountable find an accountability partner that is going to help you more than anything on staying committed and staying consistent this is going to give you someone to share your successes and challenges with you're going to celebrate milestones together if you're working out together you'll encourage each other support each other i have said it so many times about how important it is to find a fitness partner someone to be accountable with you whether they work out with you or not someone who's waiting for you to say hey i did my workout so they can cheer you on Tracking your progress is another powerful tool for consistency. If you keep a training log or a fitness app to monitor your workouts, whether it be distance, pace, or any other relative metric that you're looking at, you're going to see your progress over time, and that's so motivating. It's going to remind you of how far you've come and help you identify the patterns and strengths and areas of improvement that are going to be in your training. But balance is the consistency with variety. There's, you have to be able to maintain a regular training routine, but you also have to add variety to your workouts to keep them fresh and prevent boredom or plateaus. If you never change up what you're doing, you're going to get bored and your body's going to adapt and be like, Shh, I got this. I don't have to change anything now. So you've got to incorporate different types of runs, such as speed workouts, long runs, recovery runs. Challenge your body to continuously improve. Add strength training, swimming, cycling, fitness classes, whatever it is that's going to help you go above and beyond. This consistency is going to be beyond just your workouts. You've got to pay attention to lifestyle factors that support your fitness goals. Prioritize proper nutrition and hydration and sleep. Huh? Those things keep coming up on this podcast. Manage your stress levels. Incorporate recovery practices. Oh, look, that one came back up too. Taking care of your overall well-being and ensure that you are showing up for your workouts to perform your best. And make sure you celebrate those milestones on consistency just as much as your milestones on pace or whatever else it is. Acknowledge and reward yourself for staying committed to your fitness journey. Treat yourself to new running gear, a relaxing massage, a day off, whatever it is that helps you recognize your dedication and reinforce positive habits and motivation for yourself to keep going. My next lesson, lesson number five, is embrace your mind-body connection. In the world of fitness and running, it's so easy to focus solely on the physical aspects of training, but 
I had to learn that the mind and body are intricately connected and nurturing this connection is essential for achieving optimal performance and overall well-being. The mind-body connection refers to the interplay between your thoughts, emotion, and physical sensations. When you learn to harness and nurture this connection, you unlock a powerful tool that can enhance your running experience and improve performance and promote overall health. It's one thing to just cultivate your body, but when you cultivate your mind-body connection through mindfulness practices, it really helps you be present in the moment and pay attention to those thoughts, feelings, and physical sensations without judgment. Now, you're probably over here thinking, like, what the heck does this have to do with fitness? Okay, when you incorporate these into your training, it enhances your awareness of your body signals and optimizes your performance. If you, before you start to run, take a few moments to practice some deep breathing and center yourself, focus on your breath and allow it to really bring you present to the moment. As you run, you're going to be mindful of that movement, whether it's your foot strike, your posture, your breathing, and you're going to start to notice that tension and discomfort and make adjustments accordingly. If you have tension held somewhere from stress and you run through that, it's going to change how you run. It's going to change your foot strike and it's going to change things in your running mechanics that can turn into an injury. So you really want to be very present. That is one thing I always tell my athletes is yes, run with music or a podcast. It really helps. But every once in a while, pause it. Take like a body check. Be like, okay, how am I feeling? Is my shoulders held back? Is my head up? Am I striking under my body, not in front of my body? I am, I heel striking by accident. I have the brakes on, you know? You know, whatever it is, I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders when I'm stressed out. And when I start to run and I'm stressed, sometimes my, like I tighten up and it turns awful and I'll get a headache and my neck will be so sore. So sometimes I have to like pause and take a deep breath while I'm running and remember to relax those muscles. So that way I am not pushing through something that's going to cause injury and pain to make it where I don't want to run the next day. Beyond that, it's going to help you reduce that negative and self-limiting thoughts if you have that positive affirmations. If you can have that mind-body connection with positive self-talk, positive visualization, pay attention to that inner dialogue you have in your runs, you're going to be more present and you'll be able to visualize yourself crossing the finish line, achieving your goals, and feeling strong and capable And it's going to be easier to do. This also extends to the impact of stress on your performance. Like I mentioned before, when I'm stressed, I start to do something funky with my run. And chronic stress can hinder your progress, lead to burnout. So in getting these kind of incorporating stress management techniques like meditation and yoga and journaling, all that mindfulness, it can really help you manage your stress levels, which helps improve your runs because now you don't have two types of stress on your body. You just have your exercise stress, the good stress. You don't have the bad stress, which is that stuff that just builds up and eats you from the inside out. So listening to your body, respecting its limits, it's all essential for maintaining that healthy mind-body connection. Pushing through pain and fatigue, yeah, it might sound good in the moment, but it's going to lead to injuries. It's going to lead to setbacks. So instead, tune into your body's cues, make adjustments as needed, rest when necessary, modify your workout, seek professional advice if you need help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. So if you're experiencing persistent pain or discomfort, or you're having an overwhelming amount of negative self-talk, go see a physical therapist, go see an actual therapist. Well, not actual therapist, but you know what I mean? Like, 
the mental health kind and know that your mind and body, they're not separate entities. They work together. And when they're in harmony, you're going to be able to tap into a deeper level of awareness, resilience, performance, and your journey will become more than a physical endeavor. It's going to become a transformative experience and it's going to nourish your entire well-being instead of leading you to burnout and setbacks and everything else in between. So the next hard lesson should be one that you all saw coming. You need to set realistic goals. Setting goals is such an important part of any fitness journey or life in general, but it's crucial to set realistic, attainable goals that are aligned with your current abilities and circumstances, not what you dream to have, your current abilities and circumstances. By doing so, you set yourself up for success, you maintain motivation, you avoid unnecessary frustration or disappointment. And when it comes to goal setting, it's important to consider both short-term and long-term goal objectives. Short-term goals are going to be those small milestones that you can achieve relatively quickly. While long-term goals, they're going to be more significant achievements that require sustained effort over time. Remember, consistency. Start by assessing your current fitness level and running abilities. Be honest with yourself and take into account any limitations or factors that affect your progress, such as time availability or prior injuries. All of those things, when you combine them together, when you set goals that are obtainable with your current capabilities, you ensure that you have a clear path to success, meaning you might want to run a marathon at a Boston Marathon qualifying time. Fantastic goal. Go for it if you want to. But... If you are currently running a nine minute mile and you start running those paces that are aligned for a sub eight minute mile for 26 miles and you run one mile at nine minutes, do you see kind of the mismatch? You're going to get burned out. You're going to get injured. You're going to be pushing yourself too hard. Those are not attainable with your current capabilities. So you have to be able to build off that nine minute mile and slowly bring that down while increasing your mileage in those times and get faster that way. One thing we've all heard of, if you are in any type of job somewhere, it is everywhere now. The SMART framework, okay? I know, I'm rolling my eyes too, but there's a reason why it's so popular in every single corporate world or education world or a classroom, whatever it is, because they are gonna be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. These goals are going to clearly define what you want to achieve, such as running a certain distance or completing a race. Great goal, right? Specific. I want to run three miles. I want to complete this race on this date. Specific, you know what you're doing. Measurable goals allow you to track your progress and see tangible results. So you want to do it at a certain pace or you want to do it by a certain date. So that's going to be something you can measure a long time and see how you're improving over time. Achievable goals, meaning they're within your reach and aligned. If I said right now, I want to run the Boston Marathon on the next one that comes up. Okay, well, first off, that's less than a year away. I cannot run that mile time. Personally, me, myself, Beelit, cannot run a Boston Marathon mile pace time for a single mile, let alone 26. So saying that I'm going to run Boston 2024 is a bad, 
bad, bad goal. That's not attainable in any way, shape, or form. Because for one, I would have to qualify in that time range within like the next month or so. I want to say the cutoff is coming very soon because you sign up and register in September. And you have to already have had a qualifying time in September. You see the problem here? I don't have that. So why would that be an achievable goal for me? It's not. Saying that I want to run a 5K in that time frame or a 10K or a half marathon, those would be achievable goals. As long as I'm not trying to say I want to run a 15-minute 5K. Well, I run a 30-minute 5K. So 15-minute 5K by April, not attainable. It needs to be something that you can actually obtain and you can get to. You also want it to be relevant. You want it to be meaningful to you and aligned to your overall journey. This means I don't want to say that next January, I want to go compete in a powerlifting competition. Okay, well, that's a great goal. But if my goal, my specific goal was I want to complete a half marathon, what does the powerlifting competition have to do within there? Does that make sense? It needs to actually align together to make it where they all kind of combine because you're going to have sub goals and lifting would be a great sub goal. I want to incorporate strength training. But saying that I want to become a powerlifter and compete a month before my half marathon, well, that's not. It doesn't align to my actual specific goal that I started with. So you've got to make sure that things achieve and line together to make sense, that they're relevant. And again, time bound. Notice I keep saying dates. I want to do it by January. I want to do it by April. I have to have it by September. You need a time bound goal a specific time frame in which you aim to achieve whatever it is, it creates a sense of urgency, a sense of accountability. If you're not going to like give yourself a date, I just want to run Boston. Okay, when? I don't know, just sometime before I die. Well, when are you going to start training? I don't know. Before I die. Like, do you see what that does? It just, you can procrastinate because you have no goal like it's just there so you need to give yourself an actual time frame of when you want this done by and then once you have that long-term goal broken into these small manageable steps your short-term goals it's going to allow you to celebrate small victories along the way maintain motivation as you progress towards larger aspirations if you achieve your short-term goals it's going to keep you engaged and reinforce that sense of accomplishment and propelling you forward towards your ultimate objectives and you want to make sure that you're also considering the difference between outcome goals, progress goals. So progress versus process. You want to make sure that your process-oriented goals are going to focus on actions. The process to get you to your overall goal. Action, habit, anything that is that's going to cultivate together to achieve your outcome. So your progress, right? Your overall progress would be your outcome, what you want in the end. Process would be along the way. So the one kind of example I use anytime I talk to someone, if you want to lose 50 pounds, right? That's, that's what you need. That's fantastic. That's going to be your overall progress, your outcome goal. But if your goal that you're chasing is to lose 50 pounds, you're going to get disappointed because you're not going to do that in a month. But if you make one of your process goals to lose two pounds a month, and to get your hydration in along the way and eat your nutrition foods and stay within whatever macro range your nutritionist and dietitian gave you, working out according to your running plan or strength training plan or whatever it is, those are going to be your process goals that are going to get you to your end goal, but it gives you something to celebrate along the way. 
Those are going to be the things that if you don't do those things, you're not going to get your outcome goal. So make them part of your goal because that's going to be what builds the foundation for long-term success and really allows you to appreciate your journey instead of fixating on this end result that's so far away. You know, they always say, how do you climb a million steps? One step at a time, right? How do you put on your shoes? One shoe at a time. You've just got to be able to make sure that you're looking at all the steps along the way, be realistic and make sure again, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound. That is your roadmap to success in your finished journey. And you need to make sure that you are actually having your goals align around those things. So they are something you can actually achieve. Now, I could get into so many more of these little tiny lessons that were hard for me to learn along the way. But we're going to end it here so this episode doesn't go on for a gazillion years. And I'll come back and do another episode one day of even more lessons that you have to learn and how to overcome them. So that way we can keep you motivated and you can realize you're not alone. You're not the only one who's made these mistakes or messed with these mindsets or set unachievable goals or forgot about your rest days or went out too hard, whatever it is. But I hope you remember these lessons in your running and your fitness and that you use these kind of like ways to overcome them to navigate your own journey. Remember, it's not about perfection. It's about progress and self-discovery. So until next time, runners, keep lacing up those shoes, keep running fit, keep being amazing, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much runners for spending time with me and listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. I always love to hear from my listeners. And if you want more Let's Run Fit in your life, find me on Instagram at Let's Run Fit with Be Lit. Until next time, runners. The information in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical or professional advice. Please always consult a medical professional if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The Let's Run Fit podcast is not liable for risk or issues associated with using or acting upon the information in this podcast.